Hello and welcome to the Not Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast discussing the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week we are doing something so cool, so hype, and so aggressive and exciting. Just kidding. It is a very chill week because we're doing Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Woo! And I'm sure you're all thinking, wow, they went back and they did the early Dr. Doolittle? No, we did the 90s one and the latest one with Robert Downey Jr. Here. Yeah, we absolutely <laughs> did not go back and do the 19, what was it, 60s, 30s? I don't yeah. remember. It's the 60s or 30s, which are basically the same decade. And yeah. it's a musical, I think, an adaptation of the story from 1925. And we're already 1920s. doing the, the new Doolittle is an adaptation of that original story anyways. So. Of the second book in or the second series. book, rather. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so yes. we're not, so see, we're touching on the old school and the new school. We're, we did it on purpose. It's very intentional. Um, <laughs> okay, you want to yeah. know something wild about um, Doolittle, which is huh. the 2020, because they dropped the doctor and they were just like, Doolittle, this is it. Yeah. It was a failure. It was a flop. But because it was 2020, it was also the like third highest grossing film of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Slay. Isn't that wild? But I think they did make their money back. But um Okay. But yeah. So it was a successful flop. Yeah, that I was what was the 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 podcast that I listened to sometimes? I do need to go back because it's been a long time since I listened to I bring it up occasionally, but blank check movie podcast. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard of it because it's another movie podcast, but it's very, very good. I was listening as the pandemic started and they were talking about movie sales towards the end of 2022 or sorry, towards the end of 2020. Um, and it was so interesting because hearing them talk about it, it was very much of this conversation of like, um, yeah, technically it's a huge loss, but it is number two at the box office. <laughs> and you're like, cool. This is fucking weird. <laughs> like, great, 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 great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nobody wants to go to the theater anymore. Just do yeah. the streaming thing. I will pay I will pay $30 to stream a movie I really want to stream because then I'm going to get four people to come and watch it with me or I'll get Danny to come watch it with me. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I will feel like I got my money's worth. Yeah. I don't see the harm in it. I don't want to go to theaters unless it's no. like a, it's like an experience because like sometimes I do miss that like midnight screening like yeah like i love that communal Uh, aspect but if it's like a tuesday and the theater's empty i would just rather watch it at home yeah i mean i will say i i love going to the movies i love the movie theater generally it's just like whatever it's usually like on a date with me and eric and it's like a nice thing but on sunday i went to the movies with a friend and uh we went and saw bodies 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 and when i tell you that the theater was so excitably gay and giddy with like (gasps) queer excitement in general like our queen Uh, our queen nicole kidman came on screen several people cheered this is the trailer like before the movie starts when she does her whole wonderful monologue speaking of which her monologue got renewed for a reboot a remake she's doing a second monologue (laughs) it's coming um and as soon as she said heartbreak feels good in a place like this like six people cheered and then when it was over everyone clapped so i was like oh going into this really gay satire is going to be such a joy and it was it was like people were laughing at the, it was just i haven't felt like a communal experience like that in a while and it was really refreshing so yeah there is I a do, magic at the movies but there is sometimes it's lackluster i miss that stuff but again Ugh. it's for something that you 
Yeah. Yeah. When 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 it wouldn't when be bo- for Doolittle. I wouldn't go no. to the theater for fucking Doolittle. No, no because you. the only cheering that would be done is from four year olds screaming at the chipmunk who farted, and you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was. You know, I'm happy we're doing Doolittle in general because to me, the first one. So okay, speaking of our history with the movies, yeah. Doctor Doolittle for me, I didn't really know anything about it until the Eddie Murphy one came out. And that was, I, I mean, I was I was very young at that point. Yeah. Yeah, 98. I think it was, what, six? Ooh, that's how old I am, everybody. And so I loved the movie. I remember watching it over and over again and just thinking it was so funny and so cool. Not necessarily even realizing that some of my faves uh, who are in it would be my faves later on or recognizing them from other stuff, which I'm excited to get into when we start talking about the cast uh, in the first one. Um, but apart from that, that's that's my whole history. What about you? What is your do little my do stuff? Um, yeah, I was ten. I was obsessed. Um, I was like talking to animals. What the fuck? Like, I wanted to have that ability so fucking bad. Eliza um, and- Thornberry, who? You know what I mean? And exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, still, yeah, because, like, that was also at around that same time, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just need to yeah. manifest this for myself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I loved the movie. I would absolutely watch it um, a lot. But, yeah, mostly I was like, man, what a f- cool fucking thing. What a cool thing. Yeah. It's fun. So. It's, it's, it's a silly, fun romp. It's also, the, I mean, the first one, San Francisco – a city that I lived in for most, for a lot of my life, and a city that I love. It's cool to always remember that, like, movies that shaped me as a kid, when I go back and watch them, be like, oh, pff, no wonder I was, like, wanting to go to San Francisco. That's like all of these movies that I love took place there, and I just didn't realize it. Yeah. And this was one of them. Yeah. Should we just jump into Dr. Doolittle? Let's dive in. Let's do a lot with Doolittle. As a child, Dr. John Doolittle had the ability to talk to animals. However, his father terrorized him into suppressing his gift by way of exorcism and getting rid of the family dog. John spent his next 30 years of his life becoming who his father taught him to be, a dismissive, rich asshole who doesn't talk about his feelings and takes his own unreconciled trauma out on his family and animals. After ditching his family for a business meeting with a company eager to buy his medical practice, John hits a stray dog with his car and is both relieved and confused when the dog walks away and calls him a jerk. John shrugs off this experience and grabs the family guinea pig, Rodney, on his way to try to salvage what he can of his family vacation. On the way, John realizes he can talk to animals again, freaks out, and decides to strap Rodney to the roof of the car for the rest of the trip. Relieved to be away from the city, John begins to unwind with his family, but finds himself and his cabin bombarded with animals asking for help. Naturally, John leaves in the middle of the night without telling his family to go do a CT scan and adopts the dog he hit with his car, so natch. John's life continues to fall apart as more animals continue to ask him for help, including a suicidal circus tiger. Inevitably, his secret gets out and John ends up in a mental institution and renounces his gift, which further strains his relationship with his family, but saves the business deal so he can make a lot of money. But after seeing the effect his actions have on his daughter, who is struggling with her own issues of being different, he realizes he needs to fully embrace all parts of himself in order to be there for himself, his family, and the animals that need his help. So he kidnaps a circus tiger, performs surgery on it in front of everyone, and everything is fine. 
Everything is most certainly not fine. Um, Dr. Doolittle, I do want to start by talking about this cast, the way, yes. not just the voice cast, but when I tell you that I used, one of my favorite celebrities as a kid used to be Kyla Pratt. Kyla Pratt, the daughter who is not Raven Simone. Yes. Because she was in One on One, which was one of my favorite TV shows growing up on UPN. It was like that. And uh, so she was in that. And then she was also the lead in The Proud Family. And so as a young yeah. kid who was like her same age, I was like, she's, she's the fucking coolest. And I just... I forget that she exists because I don't think, at least I haven't seen anything that she's been in recently. But as a kid, she was like a superstar for me. And I forget that she was in this. And this was like where that love started of her work. Um, But also Raven Simone as a great young actor. Um, The voice cast is stacked. It's wild. Ellen's at the beginning. Norm MacDonald obviously is like one of the co-leads. It's just, it's a big ol', it's a circus. And I love Kyla Pratt. So this is now a Kyla Pratt stand account. I need to know what she's up to. She is so good. And um, wait, was she in the Proud Family reboot? Yes, she is. She is? Kenny oh my. Proud. Yes. Okay. She's so good. Um, yeah. Anyways. Oh, she, wow. She, this cast is fucking stacked too. Yeah. Okay. Proud, sorry. Family, fu- Proud Family was so good. And yeah. She was I remember just, loving that. She was just such a huge part of my childhood. Like she had such a huge impact on me. And so shout out to her. Um. But this movie is so, it's very fun and easy, but also there's some shit in it that I think is really emblematic of comedy in a lot of these family films relying heavily on very simple, messy tropes like fat phobia, homophobia, misogyny, transphobia. Like a lot of these things are just used as easy fodder for for a joke for a nothing joke and it's um it's just shit it's shit humor most of it is not funny i mean granted that's why i had a really hard time with this um so like watching it after the first because like i was like cool i love this movie as a kid i'm gonna do this and then i watched it and i was like fuck this movie and then i started like going through my notes and doing the thing i was like okay well actually when you like the the problem is there is so much fat phobia and homophobia and like men afraid to like you know uh, male dogs afraid to lose their balls or like that sort of stuff where it was really hard for me to get past it like the moment where um <laughs> this man would rather die than give cpr to another man right <sighs> or the the dog and the another big problem with this is a lot of these jokes most of them in fact come from the animals right where lucky doesn't want to get uh his temperature checked because uh he has to get his thermometer in the butt oh my god yeah. oh my god this is so bad like oh my god it's gone in there now the guy has to take his whole hand in there right like and it's like okay it, it, like it, that kind yeah. of thing for me and then there's also at the very end the way Doolittle gets out of the mental institution is by blackmailing the doctor because he has a tutu in his closet yeah that he wears which is yeah. again like another one of those things like they double tripled quadrupled down on this and oh homophobia or like you know being gay is bad or you well, know expressing sexuality is bad and everything and it was like it wasn't even just like peppered in it was like it's it felt it like the meat of the story it's the foundational text like it is the foundation from which all of these jokes spring and it's so subtle and such a throw and again like it's trying to be used in a way that is relatively meaningless because this is a, a family film. And so it's like, let's be a little bit edgy, but it's also like, it's whatever. It's just a joke. But for kids, 
like children's entertainment when you're young, you don't really get a lot of stuff, but you're trying to at every point, not just like retain information, but decipher it. Like, okay, the beats of this, they're laughing. People are laughing. I'm laughing. Why am I laughing? Okay, let me try to decipher what this is. And I mean, granted, <laughs> that's probably why I hated myself for so long. Like as a young person, because of yeah. all these like homophobic jokes where it's like, oh no, I'm not supposed to exist. Cause like my existence is bad and funny and I'm the butt of the joke. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's like, it seems so innocuous. It seems so like inconsequential in these movies, or at least was assumedly inconsequential, but it's like, really, you're shaping the way that children see themselves in this world. And some of those children are going to be queer. Some of those children are going to not be cis. Some of those children are not going to be this specific thing that you think everybody is. Which, like, because, like, another part of this, too, is making sure that anybody that is othered is, you know we know that they're bad right like you know if you're gay you're bad right is what this is telling you the daughter right she isn't into hanging out with other people she's not in she wants to do science she wants to go into stem and she's really into this and her dad this whole time is like no you're you're stupid get this out of my face but like he's being so dismissive of her right and then at the end it's like oh actually you're okay it's okay that you're different and you're into this so and uh, Dr. Doolittle hates himself for being different, right? And, you know, like, his dad who, like, really, like, fucked him up because of, like, everything that he put him through, right? We see how much of an asshole he became because of his father and, like, having to mask this part of who he is. So for this movie that is about that and is, like, when I, like, started to, like, go through my notes and dig into it, I was like, that's fucking cool. Like, I'm actually really here for this you really have to fucking think about it and like get into it because everything else, everybody else is like left out is the butt of the joke in these conversations. Yeah. Again, I, that was also one of my biggest things is I thought that that was really cool. It is, it is quite a clear conversation about like breaking generational trauma. I think that that's cool. Like, Hey, you know what? Just cause my dad fucked me up doesn't mean that I, I get to fuck you up. Like it's not fair that I'm putting my burden on you. You are cool. You're different. And that's what makes you unique. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to be a better dad for you. I think that that's amazing. And that's beautiful. And that's also like a great point of this, but um, yeah, it's, that's why it's difficult because there is, there are some really good aspects to this movie just in general, but it is just, it's like peak shitty, 90s mall humor and this is what we grew up so like again like my family was yeah, trash, this is what we grew up right <laughs> my family was trash my family uh i've told you about them but to have them and these films like reinforce these ideals that they're trying to tell me like i mean it never made sense to me but like again because i was 10 when this came out like those jokes like i mean there are still people that make these jokes and don't understand why and don't ask themselves like you know why this is funny and it's like oh no you're just a homophobe like that's that's it like yeah. that is what these have been telling you forever and now you're like you can't see past that you know what i mean yeah. like because it's so it's so ingrained even from when you're a child, right? That like you don't think there's anything wrong with this. And then you're like, yeah. oh, you're so sensitive. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
it's a mess. I mean, granted, do I love the gay penguins? I love the gay penguins. The gay penguins yes. are great. Um, then walking in, oh, oh my God, what a zoo. Like, ah, get me out of here. It's a zoo. Like, is it a stereotype? Sure. Are they great? Absolutely. They're such a sleigh. They're so cute and they're so femme and they're so cool. And um, I just wish that there was more of them and that like they got to have more power in this movie. Mm-hmm. I wish that the penguins had more power. I um, wish they did too. That would have been cute. Most of the jokes are bad, like we've been saying. There were several that I thought were pretty big slaves, one of which is when their tiger is on top of fucking Coit Tower. Dr. Doolittle's trying to get him to not kill himself. I forget who it was down below. Was it the pigeons? Um, that called him a pussy? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. jump, you big pussy. <laughs> I was yeah. like, which is funny, like, because he's a big cat, and so it works on two levels, and, like, also, it's, like, really teetering that line for this kind of a family movie, but, again, they can get away with it because it's a big cat, but also, um, you should kill yourself. <laughs> kill yourself, you idiot. Like, that's so funny to me in this movie because it's also out of nowhere. Just jump, you big pussy. Like, I was like... I mean, okay. some of the animals were just, Ooh. like, so good. The pigeons... um. <laughs> <laughs> all the animals making a like barricade so the cops don't get in and the pigeons oh, are like you slay. fucking pigs and yeah. i think the pigs are like hey like, yeah <laughs> like See, that there's, was there's, so good there's some earnestly good stuff here but it's just it's just riddled with this other muck that like there's a there's a level to me that still really stands by this movie just in general but uh, come on like it could have it could have been much better just like i don't know just take out like all of the homophobia yeah. and like all the fat jokes, right? Because like somebody's owner sits down and they're like, "Whoa, fucking lady! Oh my god!" And like well, the dog turns around and he's like, "Dang, she needs like Weight Watchers or something." Like something yeah. that's just not funny. Also, the lady with the shellfish allergy, like, oh, she can't yeah. help herself. Shellfish is just so good. It's like I can't stop eating. Mm, I'm just big fat. Like, okay. Well, and like, part of me, what is I was this wondering... weird character? Like, Part of me, I was like thinking that character was like, oh, well, she has a thing for her doctor because she only wants him to administer these things or something. So yeah. she has like the the shellfish, like, I don't know, it's some fetish thing. I don't know. Either way, it was gross. And it was well, like, oh, she's stupid. Like Literally, because oh. either it's one, she's, I'm a big fat person and I can't stop eating. Look at me. I'm so fat. Or it's. How funny is it that this fat person is hitting on the thin doctor? Oh my god, how could I be with such a fatty? Like, oh, they're so fat. Like, either the way, way she it's presented not... her ass yeah. to like get her injection, that's where I was like, like, oh, ooh. she's probably into him. Yeah. yeah. So either way it's presented, either way that this character is shown as a fat person is shown in the negative we hate fat people light that all media depicts fat people in general. Um again, it's trash, it's boring. We're over it. Like this guy on. is a doctor, right? Has obviously built up a rapport with his patients, right? Yeah. And so for the patients to be like, hey, you're the only one I trust to like come and do this. Like, I mean, there's a a doctor patient relationship that like I feel like is just being wildly, <laughs> wildly fucked in this. Like, yeah. I don't know because like you're supposed to be a good person. You're supposed to be the doctor. Like, and just to see him be so shitty and dismissive of you know somebody that trusts him or even like other patients. Like, I don't know. He's just really shitty to like his staff too. He just kind of like yells at them, and I'm like. 
this is not it. But I then, like, again, we see that he's taking out his trauma on everybody else, which I think is the better part of this conversation. Yeah. And where he's traumatized it, as a right? kid. Yeah, yeah, he's traumatized as a kid. Says he's never going to talk to animals again because his dad's a massive asshole. And then with, like, his kids, he's just dismissive and regurgitating all the garbage that, like, he hears everybody else say. Where he's like, you need to socialize. He's like, does he actually think that? I don't think so. I think that's just what his, like, you know, part of the masking for him is, like, you know, he's had to navigate this world and be in this world. And now he's, like, a big successful person. So he has to continue to do that for people to want to like engage with him or for him to still have the social status that he has right and also especially with his dad which fuck his dad i was really mad because obviously everything that he did to him as a kid but then like for him to be like the good parent right and be like oh it's fine and like just kind of give his son like i mean no matter what he did like his son was gonna be shit in his eyes right and then for him to like tell like the granddaughter oh no it's okay sometimes we don't you know parents are dumb right and he's he never fucking apologized or maybe he did at the end he apologized when everybody accepted him right but he couldn't get that acceptance from his dad just like, hey, I love you for who you are until it was socially acceptable that he could talk to animals. Well, not even that, but like <laughs> your son is going through a very clear relative psychotic break um, and you're just like, wow, my son's weird. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, maybe, maybe, um, maybe you had something to do with it, grandpa. <laughs> maybe Mm -hmm. maybe you're a big part of why he's having this moment right now i thought Uh, you said big fart (laughs) oh maybe you're a big fart (laughs) you're just a big old fucking fart grandpa (laughs) but yeah like you know what i mean he's just like oh wow he's just acting goofy and it's like yeah uh, you fucked him up you can't just get away with that (laughs) Yeah. And to the point to where he's like, okay, I'm a rich, miserable asshole. This is what my dad wanted. This is who I'm supposed to be. This is who every like the part um where I was like originally like fuck Eddie Murphy's character when he intentionally misnames his daughter who wants to be called Paprika. And she he's like, what nutmeg? I mean, he had to pull that out of his asshole to like just be an asshole, right? And he like, yeah. I don't think we ever see him call her by the name that she wants to use. And again, this is another thing that's supposed to be played for laughs, but it's just like, it yeah. feeds into everything else that we were saying. And it's like, of course, of course he does this. But I just, I wish that they had like harped in on that dad a little bit more rather than making him like the kind of, oh, I'm good. Like, I don't know. I feel like we needed to resolve that a bit. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that by the end of it, he's like, wow, maybe I am the problem. Maybe I need to be better for my kids. Maybe I, I shouldn't take out what was done to me on my kids and continue the cycle. Maybe, maybe that's the case. But. It should have been more on the nose. It should have been a little bit harder. It should have been addressed harder, especially like I feel like their mom, like imagine if she had like a monologue or something that was like, yeah, look, you're not here. And when you're here, you treat our kids like shit. You treat me like shit. Like, I just want to have sex with you. Like, that's all I want. Like, I just want you to be present and to be here and to be like my partner and to be these things. And she says I, like I, little I, things, right? Like there's always yeah. the one liners about like where she feels like she doesn't matter. And it's in every scene, right? Where she's like, 
what do you mean us? This isn't about us. Who is us? Like, what are you talking about? Right. And then the next thing he's like, oh, I got you this Ferrari. And she's like, oh, wait. Right. So it's like, oh, like, wait, hold on. What are you trying to say here? Fuck that. Yeah. Um, because and if, then- if she had a moment to like really extrapolate on this, on like who he is to their family, and then he was able to be like, you know what? You're right. I'm so sorry. And I'm going to be better. Like, just if his right. actions were more like recognized as being as bad as they are. I felt like it would have, it would have everything, all the bad stuff. Cause I'm happy that it happens because it really sets the tone of like, yeah, this guy is kind of a shit dad. Okay. And it makes the payoff way better. And I'm happy that it's all there, but it was just too soft of an ending of like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, you're okay. Let's Everything's move fine. On. Let me like, scrub up to help you. And I was yeah. like, like, cause I was like, why? Because, you know, part of it, like, the wife is painted bad because she doesn't believe him, right? But why the fuck would she believe him when he doesn't talk to her, right? And I do think that, again, like, going into Doolittle's character, because this movie is all about him and it's all about his trauma, Um, he... The way that he deals with it is perfect, right? He shuts himself off. He doesn't talk to anybody. He, you know, even when he starts to like, you know, maybe think about what's happening, like, you know, seeing a dog that he almost hurt reminded him of his dog and then triggered like, oh, I can talk to like, I can talk to animals. Oh, my God. Right. And he is like he starts to be like, hey, maybe this is a good thing, you know, after like he can't get away from it, right? He's like, okay, how can I work through this? And then he like shuts back up again. He's like, no, fuck everything. I'm not doing any of this. Get the fuck out of here. And seeing him struggle with that acceptance and having that not be clear cut and like, yes, everything is fine now. Like my trauma is gone. But like, Seeing him deal with that and having the full acceptance of that, I think, come from seeing what he's doing to his own daughter and the next generation. Yeah. Um, I think that was all really great. Yeah, but it's just it's <laughs> it's hard. It's hard for me to like fully dig in because I'm like, well, it's Dr. Doolittle. Not to be like, exactly. should, but it's like it's a very like simple sort of plain story. And again, not to also discredit the fact that like, Let's be very clear. This is a black story as well. This is black led. It is a black family. It is a non-white Disney story. I want that to be like, not to dismiss like, oh, this is just a whatever movie. Because I do think it's a really impactful movie. And I think it like deserves recognition for what it is, especially for the time that it came out and for the acclaim that it got. But you're 100% right. Like, it's just, it's, it is just hard because like, (sighs) It is it is very simple. There's not a whole lot of depth to it apart from this main structural narrative and like because <laughs> I have it's so just, it's it is really overshadowed by like all the bad jokes. Yeah, exactly. Cuz cuz to me I have so many like fun punch up ideas and like even structurally like I just and maybe maybe it was and maybe it was cut. And I know with Disney specifically like oftentimes a lot of shit gets cut out and a lot of like what was intended may not even be close to what was presented here, right? Like, with Disney explicitly, like, they do that shit all the time with a lot of their movies. It's like, let's edit, 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 redact, redact, redact until it's sort of just a husk of a easy, it's it's like easy listening. Um, But homophobia, misogyny, and all that stuff is fine. Don't say that's what it is, but you can still, like, allude to it, and we were not going to get mad at you. So this sort of, like, husk of a of a film is is... It's hard to take it seriously. It's hard to take it seriously because the easy outs for all of the plot points are really just based in anti-queer, anti-woman, like that kind of stuff. Like 
Right. I, I, I really can't get over the Paul Giamatti. Um, oh, well, if you don't this, do this for me, I'm going to tell them that you have like a fucking dress thong tutu and you're whatever and you like to wear it. Um, and he's like, yeah. I got you. It's like, mm, um, like <laughs> that doesn't make me root for this man. Like it's just it's supposed to be like, ha, I got this bad guy who doesn't believe me. No, King, you're the bad one. Um, He's doing his job. He's and you know what? I will fully say in those scenes. I do think that there is an underlying subtext of racism and I think that that's really apparent and I think it's really cool that it's a part of this movie because I think it's very real, especially in the conversation around doctors and black patients, white doctors specifically and black patients and the way that they do not take them seriously in the same way that they treat other people. Um, I love that as a subtext to these scenes. But at the end of the day, Dr. Doolittle, this man, John, is still a queer phobic asshole for these things that he's done. And it's really hard to like, be like, that's the big, that's the turn of like for success. Yeah. It's like, this is going to get him out of the hospital and he's going to go on to, to succeed because he's so smart and he got him. You could have gotten him out so many different ways, but suddenly it's like, I'm going to tell people you're a faggot. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. I don't know if that's the best way to go about right. this. Like, out of nowhere, too. It's the out of nowhere for no reason. Homophobia <laughs> is so essential to this film <laughs> that it is a used to propel the plot forward at multiple yeah, times. It is. And it's so it's so unnecessary to the point of like just silliness. And so that's again, it's hard to get past some of those things. I think it's a movie. I, I'm cool. It's cool, and I'm cool with it. But like, it is just so out of nowhere. Like, at least in that scene, <laughs> maybe, maybe have more of a conversation about the racial undertones of the way this man's treating his patient. Like, that's more of an on the nose of world problem that he's currently facing. But instead, it's like, oh, like th you're pulling this thing out of nowhere for the sake of like teaching children what that like trans people are bad monsters and should be ashamed of themselves or queer people in general are shitty human beings and they should keep that shit in the closet like what else is that teaching you and it means nothing it comes from nowhere it is so irrelevant to the story there are just so many ways that this could have been better and it sucks that like every choice for like betterness for more intentional like more unpacking of like social commentary on race or anything other than they just leapt to literally gay joke, fat joke, women suck too. And also fuck fat people. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God, you guys. Yeah. And that's why like, again, like watching this movie, like uh, again, I was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe that I watched this so many times as a kid. This, I know, like, same. And, and I feel like that when I watch most things, like, you know, from like this era, I'm like, yeah. wow, no wonder I had to do so much, like, I mean, and still have so <sighs> much work to do, right? Yeah. Like, so fucking much. And a lot of it, for me at least, is going back and like watching these things that like I have some nostalgia for and being like, fuck, right? Yeah. It's, I will say, going back and watching a lot of these shows and movies from the 90s, like, I know, I mean, apart from also general society, this media specifically, I know where a lot of my internalized fat phobia came from. Like, holy shit. Like, even into the last, still like, struggling with four that. years, still struggling with it. Where there are moments where I'm like, I have a thought of something that is passive-aggressively fat folk, and I'm like, why Why would I think that? That's not how I feel. But it's like, oh, no, the jokes that are told reinstill the fact that, or reinstill 
the opinion and the structural choice that fat people in our society should not be celebrated or seen as people. They should be seen as fat yeah. before they're seen as a person. And uh, it's just, it's fucking crazy. How rampant it is, how like intense and how and, much of it there is. And it's wild because like I feel like there are some times where I just want to shut my brain off and watch a dumb movie. But yeah. I know I can't do that with a lot of like movies or a lot of media from this era or the 2000s or any, because like it's so rampant that like it it will just seep in there, you know, and I'll just yeah. be like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Wait, why? Why? And that because then, yep. like you said, like those thoughts will come up again. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I need to reexamine this for yeah. a second, you know? I don't have much else to say about this apart from Kyla Pratt. We love you. You were so good in this movie. That's it. You're a star. And you raised so many of us and you're so cool. Let's go on to the let's let's kick the doctor out. Let's go to Doolittle. Let's do less with Doolittle. In Victorian Britain, Dr. John and Lily Doolittle live in a lush mansion given to them by the Queen to use as an animal preserve where John treats animals as a veterinarian using his ability to talk to them while Lily, an explorer, goes on adventures. Unfortunately, Lily died in her search for the Eden tree, prompting John to shudder his practice and wallow alone in his sadness. Years later, a boy named Tommy Stubbins finds his way to the mansion while searching for someone to help save the squirrel he shot. On his way in, he meets a girl named Lady Rose, who has come to summon Doolittle to the palace at the Queen's request. The pair finally meet Doolittle, who appears to have done little over the years, and with the help of his animal companions, finally convince him to leave his home. The three arrive at the palace with Doolittle's animal entourage to find the queen on her deathbed after being poisoned. They deduce that the only thing able to save her is the fruit from the Eden tree, and it's either that or lose the mansion, so Doolittle does something and embarks on the same adventure that killed his wife. They head to Monteverde to retrieve Lily's journal, which is the only way they'll be able to find the island. However, the group is captured and Doolittle is thrown in a pit with a tiger because, uh-oh, it turns out the king was Lily's dad and he never approved of him or Lily doing what she wanted. The group narrowly manages to escape with her journal, but not before the sneaky Dr. Blair Mudfly, the queen's doctor who is totally on the murder plot, and Doolittle's self-proclaimed rival, steals her journal to find the tree for himself and sinks Doolittle's boat. He sails off, but Doolittle and the king make up, so the king gives him a ship to fulfill his daughter's last voyage. The group makes it to the Eden Island, helps a dragon, gets the fruit, saves the queen, exposes the villains, and Tommy becomes Doolittle's apprentice, because it turns out you need human interaction after all i want to say when you said do little does little or whatever i want to do like ah, yes <laughs> they did it i was it. so they proud of myself wow so it's just it's so good and anytime there's like a mo like they say it in the movie or it's like whatever or it's like the plant i'm just obsessed um this <laughs> okay. movie okay. is the most this is the most expensive decom I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. I was kind of into it, though. Like, after I got out of, like, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s fucking accent, whatever he was doing, which I was not yeah. into. And, you know, the Stubbs little boy was, like, a nothing character. It was just, like, 
a silly fun adventure and I was like cool let's go on a silly fun adventure and it might be just because I watched the you know the Eddie Murphy version right before this and I was just like this movie is significantly better (laughs) because uh, we're not really punching down at people which uh, felt great and again it was just a silly adventure movie that was fine yeah it's like (laughs) I don't know it's like it feels like a storybook. It's not something you can take seriously. There's not a lot of substance to it, I think. I know that, I mean, we're still talking about trauma and how, like, dealing with, like, grief and sadness and things like that. And I think that's very real. They're on a ship and they have, like, a whale harness that the whale's going to get them from one side to the other, right? He's, like, open up and he is basically uh, sleeping beauty, you know, like, when she has, like, all the animals, like, dressing her and helping with stuff. He's, like, the curmudgeon, like, hermit version of sleeping beauty. And I was kind of obsessed with that, like, as an idea, right? Also, just in terms of, like, a doolittle that is... Because this is based on the second book in the series from the 10s, 20s of the last century. Um, It's an old story. So if they're being true to the adventure of a story like this, I would very much assume that it's going to be as, and I, I don't mean this in like a negative way, as simple as this movie is. It is just very like by the book. It is as it yeah. is. I do love, I will say, I do love the animals more in this one than the first one. A lot more. Um, and I feel I like that they have more agency, too, where Dr. Doolittle is not a good dude and he's not doing anything out of the kindness of his heart. He's like doing it because like, well, I have to do that. I mean, he's just so fucking sad. He can't do anything. The animals have literally been keeping him alive. Right. Like and this whole time he's deluded himself into thinking that like, oh, well, they need me because this bear is scared of people or is like scared to like stand up for themselves and has no courage. And this one needs me because of this. But like he has this crisis at the end because he realizes that nobody actually needs him. And wow, maybe they're just there because you need them like because yeah. this is what it is to like be needed and be like a family unit and i think that like that kind it's of really stuff, sweet I, it's very sweet it's very surface level i think um some of the elements are really fun where like he leaves the little stick bug to like do the spying and everything right like there's there's these little fairy tale elements that just like for me plot wise it worked it was cute it was silly it was yeah um you have to go like there's the heist moment right which i was like oh my gosh this is eric And I like that we didn't have to, like, fight anything, really. Like, what he did was just he helped the dragon in the end, even though it was going to kill him. He's like, no, 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 I got you. Right. And sure. And then he got, like, absolutely shit on. But, like, literally, (laughs) which which was so funny because he has shit on this man um, who, like, I was obsessed with that as an idea. Um, But, like. It's very surface level. It's very fun. It's very easy to follow. The kid characters are there just so the kids can project themselves onto those characters. Because, like, Stubbs is basically nothing. Um, Lady Rose is basically nothing. And I'm like, why are we forcing in a romance? But, like, <sighs> you know, like, again, he's just there. So the kids are like, oh, look, it's me. Right? Yeah. Like, and you know what? with that. You know what? You're right. And... I feel like in my my brain is trying to be too critical, like it's a whatever movie, but it is fun. It's fun and it's frivolous and it's silly and it's like a Rube it's not Goldberg punching down. and it's not punching down. If we're gonna do a fart joke, well, it better be the apex of the film. It's not gonna be anything more than what it is, just a fart joke. 
Um, if we're I gonna also, shit on somebody, we're gonna shit on Doolittle. <laughs> like, it's also and it's also yeah, we're gonna shit on him because he's like he's well off, he's okay, and like the only thing that he's going through is like heartbreak. But like in the end, the other people, the other rich white people who are mad at him are like turn out to actually be villains, and we're shown that they're villains, and like great, I love that. I love that it's not like a well, we just don't get them. No, they're bad. They're actively bad. They're a villain, clean cut by the book villain. That's who that is. And yeah, a lot of the animal moments were really cute. Like him dunking his face into the aquarium to try to find out if the octopus saw anything. Like yes. and the octopus being like, snitches get stitches. I'm not talking. And he's like, mm, okay. Uh, I also did think it was cute that he kind of like learned their their languages and it wasn't just like, oh, we're all talking English and well, we're going to sing Bob Dylan. <laughs> like, I was like, the, that was a little bit off putting. But like when they stopped doing that, like and you like you got that idea. I was like, OK, I'm be- not to, that's not better. To, not to get all Mythbusters on this, but um, how are the animals communicating with one another? Oh my God, look at you. You know what I mean? Because he changes his dialect for each animal, but then suddenly when we have these like big, fun, familial, popcorn reading style scenes, how are these animals communicating not through Doolittle as the translator, but through each other? Fairy tale. Exactly. They all speak animal... uh, Animalese. (laughs) Animalish. Yeah, animalish. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it's it's a nothing thing, but in my head I was like... Ha 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 ha! I found a plot hole in the Doolittle film. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a cinema king. I discovered it. I have. Oh my issue. god! Do you feel like a Do you feel like a big man now? I do. Like, I'm gonna go wow. on Reddit and be like, "Wow, fuck this movie! They really oh didn't understand." Um, yeah, I'm gonna. You should absolutely oh god. do that. I would. It's be gonna obsessed. be so great. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, I, I and I, I like that yeah. the that the <laughs> animals were like motivated by like emotion and connection and life experience. Like I feel like the animals also felt a bit less like just you know a fart joke, like with the rats in the last one, right? Like yeah. um, even the the tiger that was supposed to eat his face off, like you could tell that there were issues. I wasn't fond of the portrayal of mil- mental illness with that. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. The dragon was sad that her lover died. Uh, the the squirrel was obsessed with. I I was obsessed with that squirrel because that squirrel was like, he shot me. He's like, he's like fucking murderer. He's yeah. like doesn't trust him the whole time. And I loved that he got that. I love that that was his character because yeah, absolutely. Even though the kid didn't mean, didn't want to shoot him, he was still forced to like he he still shot him in the end, right? Yeah, it's and not, I loved. Yeah. I love that as like a starting point for this movie too because the kid like you know we we see men and maleness and that this is what you know you're expected to do and how you're expected to act and he was like you know you have to be a hunter you have to do this you're fucking worthless blah 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 and you know uh, we're embracing like you know that like that's not who he is right and he's he just fucking up and leaves and he's like I'm I'm done like I like those things. I like that if this doesn't serve you, like you can get like that, that hope. You know what I mean? And also just because he didn't mean it doesn't mean you can forget, like you owe him forgiveness. Like you don't right. owe him that at all. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't care that you didn't mean it. I don't care that you were forced to do it. You did it. It happened. I'm hurt because of it. And I'm sorry that that's the case, but who fucking cares? You shot me. Yeah. <laughs> and he, did he go get him help and save his life? Yes. But that doesn't yeah. negate the fact that that kid shot the squirrel, he right? Did it, yeah. And so I love these little moments where it's like, okay, cool. I am way more on board for this. Yeah, I agree with that. 
there were a lot of moments again like willpower like these these silly like we sing in sillyville lazy town style like i don't know how to explain part of it just took me out because i was like wait what what am i watching like is this not to be what i was just like what age level is this for is this like pre is it it earnestly and i'm not doing this as a dick is this a preschool film <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I think it was definitely younger audiences. Like but young, I think, young. And I think that it just wasn't marketed like that. I think that's right? what it is too. I um, didn't expect it to feel as for younger people as it yeah. was. Because for me, it felt like a Narnia without like all the complexities of Narnia, right? Where it's like, yeah. there are things in this world and you're just going to have to accept them. This man fucking talks to animals, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, we we have to figure... And then it's like cute that like, you know, they help him with the diagnosis and they're like his, like they are helping him on the operating table and stuff. Like I love these. And that's to me why it was so accepting right from the get-go that it was a storybook. And I think they did a good job with that animation too because I was like, I love this animation. I'm here for this. Yeah. Right. Okay. This is you know what? a children's story. Maybe Excellent. I. Maybe I was. I was being willfully ignorant. Maybe I was bringing my own bias into it to be like it can't be for like kid kids. Like it's a kid movie, but it can't be like a kid kid because it does tell us right from the jump. It's a storybook. That's the animation. It is a storybook for children. That's the story. That's who they are. That's what this movie is. Get on board or leave. And I chose to stay and I didn't get on board. So halfway through, I'm just like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> I mean, how cute is it as a little kid to think like, oh, the gorilla is afraid of people too, right? Yeah, like the gorilla, yeah. like the more I think about like those tropes and like, does that gorilla ever like violence? No. Like, you know, do they ever excel it? Absolutely not. And you know what? That's okay. Cause they still get to where they're going at the end. Like, yeah. I and liked a lot of were, those things. Yeah. And I, again, going back to your point about characters, the characterizations for these animals were so good. I mean, Jason Mazukis as the dragonfly, like every time he showed up, so fun, <laughs> so cute. Uh, him flying to the dragon, like, see, I'm just like you. Let's talk dragon to dragon. She like blows fire. And he's like, oh, fuck. Never mind. Just kidding. Ah! Like he's just, <laughs> he is the epitome of the chaos gremlin that is Jason Mazukis. So it is cool to see that personified through an insect like a dragonfly. Um, the, I mean, and the cast is stacked. It is. It is very stacked. I will. Oh yeah. You know what? As a whole, I think it accomplishes what it sets out to do. I don't think that there is any sort of misconceptions about what it's attempting to do. And for when that. When you accept it as the storybook that it is and exactly. the audience that it's intended for. Yes. The marketing department was awful for this. I, I, I think because literally I did not expect it to be that kitty. And I didn't I like I thought it was going to be way more of like a obviously it's going to be PG, but we're going to push the PG-13 thing. It felt very Pirates of the Caribbean. It felt very like like, oh, we're going to get a little bit more of an intensity, a little bit more violence, a little bit more like action. I mean, there was action in it, but like but it's I thought not it was really gonna... violent ever. Right. No. It's actually kind of pacifist. Right? It's very. Like, pa yes. Yes. yes, yes when yes, you yes. think about. So like the way that. Doolittle and his companions move throughout the entire story, they don't really choose violence ever. It's like, okay, we're going to run away. Okay, we're going to steal my wife's journal back. Okay, we're going to sneak out. Like, even with the dragon that is going to, like, fucking kill them, like, his first reaction was, like, I'm going to treat this dragon. You are suffering from something. Let me help you. And he also, like, before he was able to treat it, like, he did the doctor thing, right, where he's, like, listening to what she's talking about and what she's angry about. And it's like, oh, 
I also lost somebody and that really sucks. But that doesn't mean that you need to suffer. Let me help you. Yeah. You know, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Again, I think it was marketed weird because I had such a damn it. I had I such a weird. I all. didn't expect it at all. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a much different film. Also, just the fact that it like devolves into like a literal fart joke. But like, like not just a little fart joke, like the biggest, most obnoxious, the biggest cheek, one. cheek blowing, hair raising fart from a dragon. Uh, and that would be the funniest climax for a child. For a kid. Like for a that kid, is it. So funny. Like, oh, the dragon's so mad and it's going to eat them. No, she's just gassy. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then there's no fight. It's just a fart joke. Dragon yeah. had gas. Yeah. I do like that they, it is, it leans so heavily on like this other, this villain character. What was his name? Um, um, McFly, not Mc... McFly, uh, Mudfly. Mudfly. His whole thing is like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. He's the Captain Hook character. Like I'll, I'm me when I fucking get you. Like you're he's done. Just, he's so silly. And you know that he's ridiculous the whole time because he's like, well, I'm better than you. Now look at, I'm the queen's physician. Ha 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 ha. And then even at the end when he's like, I have a second chance. I'm good now. I'm good. I'm okay. No, no, no. Don't eat me. I'm good. Like you can tell that it's performative. You can tell that like, you know, what jealousy and all of that do to a person and how that looks. But like, he's also, he is like, he is so emblematic of the archetype of like a swiper from Dora or that goofy yeah. Waluigi type from Lazy Town. Like he personifies the villain of, of like preschool level yeah. content. And again, because we know that these emotions are bad, right? So when you like distill these characters to their archetypes and to like actually what they're doing and how they're reacting in these situations, again, keeping in, in mind who the kind of story that this is yeah. and who it's for, it's great. Because I have to keep, again, I also, that's why I keep saying, like, I have to keep reminding myself that like everything that I've written and everything that I've like thought about i kind of have to throw out the window because of something you said early on about the context of this movie and the reframing of it where i'm like well no that like that critique or that idea that i've written doesn't really make sense because i now understand it within its context and so i'm like having to reframe everything that i'm thinking and it's also just like it is <laughs> for the context of what this is it achieves what it's set out to do and i think it is a good movie for kids and it is a great it is a fun romp for like somebody who is five, maybe five absolutely. or six. I, I think mean, it's a even, great, great romp for that age. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, that's exactly who this is supposed to be for. And I think yeah. it's it's done really well. It's done really. I think it's also where like, you know, if you're an adult and you know that this is for your kid and watching it for your kid, like you're going to have a good time with it, too. I know that yeah. I I was on board. I was like, hell yeah, whale power. That's so cute. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh, because. Even when the two kids show up early on, I like wrote. So I was like, "I'm gonna be his apprentice." I was like, "Where did the fucking come from? Like, who are you? We don't even know you yet." But then it's again reframe it. This They're is, projecting. Yeah. Yes, and it's That's like the it's supposed to be. He's there. Yes, exactly. And I, in my head, I'm just like, they did not set this character up well. It's like, I, I mean. They don't have to. It's not. It's not that. It's not that important. Like, not that it's not that important. It's just not. That's not the point of the movie. The point is not for it to be a cinematic masterpiece. The point is for it to be entertaining for children. 
and it succeeds. Understanding for children. And I think it does a really good job at trying to guide morality and trying to say, like, yes. you can reject what you are taught. You can make a new life for yourself. You can. And you can take grief and trauma and you can change it into something powerful and something meaningful. When, when you start talking about it. Because yeah, literally, that, yep. one of my things that I am really, I struggle with in this is, we get to see like the little storybook thing of like, here's the wife and immediately fridged because then she is like, she is the whole catalyst for like literally everything. Right. And yeah. she like, I don't know. She's the reason I mean, for the season. <laughs> she's the reason I do. I, I love the fact that she is an adventurer and that she goes on adventures by herself. Like the autonomy that she has in that and in that space I'm fucking obsessed with like because generally sh like she's not the one that's nurturing right um that's Doolittle he's the yeah. he's the veterinarian he's the the homebody she's the one that's like look nobody's found this I did all the research I'm gonna go find this I'm gonna go do this right and I I love that and like that she even took that so far as like her her dad didn't like Doolittle right also didn't like the fact that she went on adventures because he just wanted her to be safe but that's not who she was that's like you know and and at every point, it's just like these men are beating themselves up because like, oh, I let her marry him and leave or, oh, I let her go on this adventure. And it's like you weren't really going to stop her. Like when they realize like you know, when they stop beating themselves up for that and they're just like, this is what she would have wanted. Let's go. Well, also, then I'm on board. When they stop centering themselves through the misogyny lens of yes. patriarchy, that's when they recognize that like. You have nothing to do with this. You have nothing to do with her death and you have nothing to do with her way of life. Like she that is who she is. That's what you loved about her. You have no control over that. So stop saying like if only I did this. No. You're out of the equation. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that it sucks and I'm sorry that she's gone, but it was going to happen one way or another and it happened. All you can do now is move forward with that trauma. Let people love you, love others, and celebrate who she was for who she was and stop trying to, like, make her small because you couldn't control her. And stop trying to blame other people, right? Stop so trying to blame other people. Even, even in her death, I feel like she still had a lot of autonomy. And I loved that and I liked that as a point of contention for her father and for her husband and the fact that they they have to reconcile this, right? Um, yeah. I also love how... Um, so. I think she's a very strong character, even though she's not there, right? Because it's so easy to be like, oh, well, she like they could have made her a first mate or something. But no, she's a fucking captain of this boat, right? Um, and she is like uh, finding like an unfindable thing. And the only reason that they get there, right? The only reason they find the ultimate healing fruit is because she left them a roadmap because she did all that research because even in her death, she's still helping them heal, Love that. I also love the queen. Um, you know, we see her. She's being literally being killed by men and by the things that they're doing, but like to her for power, for wealth, for all of this, right? So she calls on Doolittle, somebody that she knows like fucking owes her. But also like the fact that he would actually let his wife, I say let, like and because it's like Victorian but era, for right? its but, time, like, yeah, 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 for its time, like the fact that he was like cool, go on your adventures. Even if I don't love this, I'm going to be here for you, right? So yeah. he, he comes in, he instantly is like, oh, you're being poisoned. I got you. And she's like, he helps her. 
it's kind of, I guess, women helping women because he finds the the Eden tree because of the instructions, like because of his wife's diary, right? And then he's like through that able to help the queen, right? So without his wife and her guidance, he never would have been able to like help save her and presumably all of Britain or whatever. But when the queen wakes up when she's fine and she's like instantly fine. She sits up and is instantly like, get the fuck out. Everybody get the fuck out of here. And like the way she commands everything, like once that is like removed and like these these men stop poisoning her, like I'm I'm obsessed with this. I'm obsessed with the fact that it wasn't a king on the throne or whatever, like if we're gonna be talking about kings and queens, right? And obsessed with somebody's a man these shitty men are trying to kill her and she's like not about that she doesn't even like be like oh my gosh i'm so happy everybody's here she just tells everybody to get the fuck out and it's like i'm gonna handle this you're the murderer like do whatever so yeah same and i mean again to the point of like women helping women just in terms of like the story is powered by this dead character and the queen who is in a comatose state but they like everyone else is just a stooge like a, like a like a bumbling sort of buffoonish misstep at every turn man like mm-hmm. uh mud what is what is his name mud honey mudfly uh mudfly mud- mudfly <laughs> yeah at every at every turn he's fucking up and in his villainy like he can't get a break uh doolittle similarly gets thrown in jail is like he gets his boat sh- his ship blown up her dad is like similarly like oh i'm fucking what you know like they're all irony is me wanting to kill you but loving my daughter more uh because i miss her too yeah Uh, she should have she would have wanted you to keep going like right like he's just like it has nothing to do with them it has nothing to do with these men Mm -mm. and that is cool i do like that that is i mean granted is it a movie that centers men yes yes but, and a parrot, the parrot is feminine and is the one that is like, you know, actually, again, like actually propelling the story. Like things only happen because of women in this story, yeah. but exactly. they are not centered. It is about how the men literally have to follow the instructions that women have left behind and do what they yeah. are told, even Wh- posthumously. Women are the writers. The men are the stars. That's yes. just Thank you. how, Thank you. how Thank it you. Sh- how it shook up for this. But. I like that if that's going to be the case, it's not like, oh, no, she died. Like, I just I'm happy that the men are portrayed as buffoons and that the only way that things worked out or happened was because of one woman helping another. Yes. Yeah, I do think this is really cool. I do think that Doolittle, like, not only, like, starts to resolve his trauma and his grief surrounding, like, you know, his his wife, but, you know, in turn also realizes, like, hey. I actually need people and I need companionship, right? And he realizes that, like, I mean, this kid, you know, who has, like, a horrible home life, he's like, yeah, I've got you. You're not, like, he he helps uplift that kid out of that situation. I don't yeah. know. I love it. I, it's just, it is, it is a, it is sort of a, a very tone. It's like, a, it's like a very simplified Scrooge where it's like, oh, in order to, like, you it's a much nicer be, Scrooge, let's yeah, be real. But you, but you have to love to be loved. And finally coming to terms and like allowing that love to flow and recognizing that like people are here to help you. Like, again, like you'd said earlier, the animals don't need him. They're good. Mm. They're doing great. 
he needs them and that's why they're there and they all know that except for him so when he recognizes that it is sort of the joy and sort of the ease of allowing love to happen to you like because i feel like he rebukes it at every turn yeah like he he rebukes love from everybody because his wife died and it sucks and it's awful and it's terrible and it is sad but sometimes that is life and i think him not recognizing the family that he has and recognizing the love that all of these animals and these people have for him was really like, it's just, I'm happy that that's a big part of the story. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it is such a joyful thing to say like, you know what, despite the harshness of what is my current reality, I can still recognize the privilege and the joy and the wonderful, wonderful people I have in it. Like, despite everything, I'm still so lucky to have people who care. And you're like, yes, that's it. Fucking rap, slay, cool. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. I just realized there's the line. uh, So both men that are heavily centered in this story, because... Or heavily, I guess, like the king is like he. The king is one of the big ones. But so, um, I just said that he he had that line about irony and how it's like irony is wanting to kill the man that blah 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 blah, but knowing that she wouldn't. Right. Um, Doolittle also has a line that says irony is when you meet a woman and then she's totally gone. So they're trying to like justify their sadness and their actions right but like also in the next breath kind of like being like yeah that sucks right like i like so i like that they both had like a line like that to try to parallel that i loved that you know we saw like the little altar that he had to his wife and you know the rings and all of that and then at the end like we see him because like that's where she was going that's what she wanted you know like that the the tree healed him even though he didn't take the fruit but it's because he got there and he was able to like you know put a part of her like there so it's like i i thought that was really nice yeah the more the more time i spend i mean not even the more time i spend with it. the more time i hear you talk about it the more i'm interested in it as as a story i think it really just i've had this happen before on this podcast where i went in with completely different expectations and because my expectations were so exceedingly different than what was there um the disconnect was hard for me to reconcile in the moment so i think i mean it's it's also hard because like when you look up anything online like literally everything is like this movie is shit this movie sucks like it's got like 10 percent on like imdb or something does like, it yeah it's like real bad but i i do think that this is a problem with the way that it was marketed i i think even with some of the colors that they chose maybe i think this is like fresh off i mean he was just like you know iron man and all these other things right so it was like oh robert downey jr you're gonna watch everything but like I really do think that it was just marketed poorly. Oh my gosh. And it's a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <gasps> and it has a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, this movie got... is significantly better than that. Again, when you, especially if you watch it through that lens of like, yeah. I'm five. How fucking cool is whale power? I still can't I, get over that. I honestly think that might just be it. Like the disconnect between the way it was marketed versus what the product actually was. Like 
it, it seems staggeringly different part? than what I had anticipated. Like if it was more marketed as like a hey, kids, it's kids, it's for kids, kid, 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 kid film, kid film, kid film, good film, and not Pirates of the Caribbean, Doolittle style with Robert Downey. Like maybe, maybe that's where there's a lot because I think as a whole, the movie does really work when you give it the right context, but. Maybe that's maybe that's I'm I'm falling into the same trap as so many others in this with this disconnect. I have a hard time sometimes because um, like I fully was going into do little like I'm going to fucking hate this probably blah, blah, blah. Right. And I do really, really try to separate myself from nostalgia for things or from like, you know, other people's opinions about stuff so I can like get my own take on it, which yeah. is fucking hard sometimes and sometimes really i absolutely is. don't do it but we all know i'm a sucker for sci-fi and fantasy so like yeah. as soon as it was like fantastical like oh they're they're the animals are dressing him and now they're doing like the surgery i was like fucking do it <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i will say one other thing about this movie i am continually impressed by how good Danny Elfman is at scoring films. I did not realize it was him until the very end. I was like, are you serious? Okay. Oh, well, separate him from Tim Burton and damn, okay. Well, great. yeah, because because obviously he has a very unique style. It's a very specific style of orchestration and composition. Like, it is him. Like, by the, th I and I mean, like, I don't mean to like, like toot my own horn, but like third note, movie started, I was like, it's Danny Elfman. And I went and looked and I was like, oh my God, yes. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> Because I love, I really, I like, I've been such a huge, I was a huge Oingo Boingo fan. I've been a big Danny Elfman fan. I mean, just as a Tim Burton fan and growing up with Tim Burton, it's like his music is like the soundtrack to so much of what I do. Similarly yeah. with like Mark Mothersbach and Devo and that, like, I, I love all that shit. But he's really like, he's getting, like, like, not that he's bad, he's excellent. But like, I was so impressed with the music. It was so good. And like It was really good. It was like an elevated version of what he's done. Um and I just I yeah, I think that that's so so cool. Shout out, Danielle. You got it. <laughs> I think I'm done with this movie. I don't know if I have anything else. Yeah, I'm I'm good with it. We're back. We're back from our uh pirate adventure. We go off the pirate ship, eh? <laughs> um i'm his apprentice now <laughs> um i think i like you uh um, great we're gonna get married obviously because we met when we were like 10 yeah i'm just like why are you talking to animals come to bed and fuck me um we <laughs> did it we watched dr doodle so let's talk about it let's talk about what this was for us all right so eddie murphy version who was this for uh kyla pratt it is for kyla pratt kyla pratt alone i love kyla pratt that's it i love i like she's she's so cool i'm so happy she's in this she's such a good actor i'm i'm starting a fan club um who do you think it was for i think it was for that scene where eddie murphy is rocking the fuck out to the original version of lady marmalade oh yeah I thought that was, was very cute. queer of him <laughs> very very uh okay so i did not realize that there was uh, i think i in my subconscious i knew that the lady marmalade version the definitive lady marmalade version uh with um christina aguilera Lil kim. and Lil kim and uh that is the version 
I didn't realize it was a cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And I, so I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I was like, "What version is this? What the fuck is this? <laughs> what um, is this?" So, yeah, it broke yeah. my brain. Um, so that's what it was for. Did you like it? Um, you know what? I still, I think I still do. I'm gonna stand by it, despite everything we discussed. Uh, it still holds a nice place in my heart. Uh, I'm still gonna stick to my nostalgic roots and double down and say you know what i still like this movie yeah what do you think do you still like it um no i didn't okay. still like it um i do have reasons you know talking about like trauma and stuff like obviously i just talked about it for however long um but it was just too hard for me to get past the constant like berating of like every sort of phobia <laughs> that you yeah. can think of just kind of being shoved down your throat um i didn't think a lot of the animals were funny I, I think there was just too many one-liners that were just punching down. So. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Now, the 2020 Robert Downey Jr. Doolittle. Is this new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive? What are you feeling about this movie? I think it's new and interesting just in terms of like it's going back to the text. It's going back to like early Dr. Doolittle where it's coming from. Um and yeah, I think it's interesting in its approach to like completely ridding itself of what Dr. Doolittle was in pop culture and really just trying to recenter it as like what it what what it, it's trying yeah, it felt like it was trying to recenter it from the core text versus like these sort of popular fun modern takes on who Dr. Doolittle was. So I thought that that was kind of new and interesting. Progressive or regressive? I I guess progressive. But also, like, progressive because it's less messy and gross, obviously, and it's less, there's way, there's no punching down. It's There's none of that. So I'd say it's progressive, but it's also, like, I don't know, they're so different. They're, like, such different movies that sure. it's hard to, like, I think just from a social standpoint, I'm going to say it's progressive. What yeah. do you think? I think that it was new and interesting. I thought that, um, again, I was fucking right in as it was a storybook because I don't, I was thinking about it as you were, you were, you know, like, what did we expect from this movie when we're having that conversation? And if it was like a dark, edgy adult Dr. Doolittle, I don't think that can fucking exist. I don't no. like, um, I wouldn't want that. I don't want an adult Dr. Doolittle. I want this to be fun and fantasy and silly. And I think... Um, if we had an adult Dr. Doolittle or like, you know, one that was geared towards oh like, uh, like, you know, older audiences, I would be just really fucking pissed. Do, do you know um, who would have done it too? And you know what? I'm assuming it probably was in production at some point or like in talks. Seth fucking McFarland would oh have done God. an adult Dr. Doolittle a la Ted. And it would have been like, it, that's, that's literally what, what that's what it would have been. That's and exactly it would have been so fucking bad <laughs> i'm been so glad so bad. <laughs> i'm so glad we didn't oh my god could you imagine though that like seems uh, like something that would totally happen seth mcfarland's dr doolittle nasty, nasty. absolutely nasty <laughs> anyways i think so i think that this was new and interesting and i thought it was also progressive in the way that it was progressive it it's progressive because it's hard they, no no so <laughs> It was progressive really well in one way and in a yeah. couple of ways where 
we saw the men deal with their trauma and, you know, like, in and grief and things like that and kind of reconcile that. Um, it was incredibly progressive because they didn't resort to violence, even though clearly, you know, um, McFat... Far McFarlane, <laughs> McFarlane, <laughs> the the no, um, McFly, God Mick. damn it, Mudfly, Mudfly, that's Mud. it. Okay, because uh, Mudfly was clearly um ready to do was doing all kinds of violence, right? So like, um, I like the you know it's pretty rare, or I guess not anymore, but where we don't re- have to resolve any of these things or any of these issues without violence. So I was a fan of that. Um, yeah. I loved how much theoretical autonomy that women had. Um, and I say theoretical because we didn't get a lot of screen time with any of them. So <laughs> had we, you know, had Doolittle's wife been alive, I mean, that would have changed everything. But she was the person leading the expedition, kind of like bringing him out or something, you know. Or, you know, um, we saw the queen for like two seconds get up and like take command. Like, I I like the characters of the women in this um, as much as I can because they weren't really there. And I wish that we got more of them but i still even though they weren't on screen i liked that they were central in a non-patronizing way yeah Um, and that we kind of reconciled those feelings that these men were having where they couldn't let go and all of that i liked that but we just needed more women yeah agreed who is it for oh well i was just gonna say kids but now thinking back on it danny elfman it was for danny elfman danny elfman's catalog it's for his resume uh it's for him to shine outside of the marionette strings of one tim burton i loved it yeah who did you think it was for i think it was for tom holland whose character has two lines but he is a second build on this. Top build, top build. Uh, He he is top build, which I was like, okay, there's like, I mean, clearly other people that had a bigger part that um, I like better that should have been. uh, But anyways, so it was for him, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) To get him out of that Spider-Man role. Yeah. No, that's Uncharted. (laughs) Oh my God, that's a thing. Wait, is that Netflix? Uncharted? No, it's Sony. Oh, eh. you want to play the game and then do the movie? Do no. our first video game. I did. Adaptation? I did. Well, I mean, actually, we could. I did always kind of want to play that game, but I never did. It's um, pretty easy, especially if you play it on easy. What? Shout out. Okay. Uh, did we like oh. it? Did you like it, Eric? I. It was fine. It. I think I like it for who it's for. Uh, as a viewer, it was big fine. It was. It was, it was, it was what it was. It was okay. Um, It was okay. Did you like it? I think so. I, I mean, yeah, I thought it was cute and fun. Yeah. I don't need to like go back and rewatch it, but if I'm like have a kid oh, yeah. over, then I will absolutely put that on, you know, yes. but it's um... going to be one of the, it's going to be so top of mind if I need to entertain a five-year-old. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I'm gonna be like, oh my god, Doolittle, literally Doolittle. Oh, Put on Doolittle. It's Doolittle, is what I'm gonna say. It's Doolittle time. It's Doolittle. Um, let's do little. And watch Doolittle. Oh my god, uh, yes. Obsessed. Totally. Okay. Okay. I think that's we're it. Done. We did it. it. Congrats. Thank you so to much us. for listening. We really Please. appreciate and love all of you. We so do. Much. And- 
Please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and please follow us on social media and visit thenostalgianetwork.com. Please. Please. Our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre. Editing is by Danny Barkley. Thank you again for listening, and thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, Show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls! What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number 4, like how there's four of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.